Yeah, welcome to the President's Pussycat Club here in downtown Chicago. There's the man. Yeah. Huh? Oh, yeah, Mick Jack is here tonight, and B.B. King, and, and all the groovy people. You ever see the President of the United States run so many groovy, diverse people? What's, what? Oh, B.B. King wants, he wants the President to come up and sing some blues. So, yeah, you, you sang for Al Green. Yes, you do. Come on, Mr. President. Well, they're lifting him up, man. They're helping him up on the stage. Ooh, Mick Jagger's giving him that, that dance number. It's really gotten him going. Ooh, man. Here we go. He's going to do it. Yeah. Oh, that's him. It's the freaking President of the United States singing blues. Come on. And that just, that just kills me. Yeah. That was B.B. King singing with the man. Oh, he's leaving. President is leaving the building. He's shaking hands with all these cool people. And man, look at him walk. He is one loose dude. Another fine night here at the President's Pussycat Club in Chicago, where all the politicos take off their masks and come incognito. What a place tonight. Uh, what, what that looks like. Yes, it's Miss Sibelius from the, from the health movement. She looking good. She dressed in gray or she naked. So hard to tell the lights here at the President's Pussycat Club. Oh, man. Except for the Secret Service, this place wings. Hey, this is Peter Bergman. It's Radio Free Oz. Oz in your ears. For Thursday, the 23rd, we just heard my old friend, The Smoker, big DJ club host in Chicago at President's Pussycat Club. That was some happening. Man, the President of the United States singing blues with Mick Jagger and B.B. King and a host of other rock and roll luminaries. Doesn't it make you feel good? Doesn't it make you hope? Doesn't it make you say, yes, we can? And by the way, he's singing a Robert Johnson blues song. Robert Johnson, the man that gave us Crossroads. And I think it's iconically correct because America certainly is at a crossroads, and this election is going to make a big difference. But hey, Barack Obama's not the only one who's singing. The man he may very well face in the race for the White House knows how to belt it out. Let's just give a listen. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain, for purple mountains' majesty above the fruited plain. America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. Whoa! I ask you, how many states is that voice gonna carry? Attention, all wannabe lobbyists. Ambitious academics, spun-out spin doctors, failed flax, hungry hacks, soulless shysters, downsized insiders, and outsourced outsiders. The following 60 seconds will jumpstart your future and guarantee you an oversized piece of the zero-sum pie. This is Lance Boyle. 
dean of the Newt Gingrich Online Pseudo-Intellectual Institute. Nothing speaks to the success of the Institute's curriculum than the career of its founder and first graduate, Newt Gingrich. Consider the trajectory of the man who went from a second-rate teaching job at a third-rate college to the speakership of the House of Representatives, where he not only shut down the government, but made himself a million dollars doing it. How does he get away with it? by faithfully following the Gingrich Cardinal Rule of Pseudo-Intellectualism. Continually repeat the words fundamental, significant, and important wherever and whenever you write or speak. It's a fundamentally significant and important way of transforming your meaningless, run-of-the-mill drivel into something important, significant, and fundamental. And there's more. We can qualify you as a visionary historian. You're no longer a scum-sucking, bottom-feeding, backdoor beltway influence peddler. With our degree, you're a bona fide visionary historian, and everybody is lining up behind Freddie and Fanny to throw the big bucks at you. So stop wasting your time on honest hard work and join the class of 2012 at the Newt Gingrich Online Pseudo-Intellectual Institute. Newt did it. Could the bar be any lower? The debate's coming up in just a couple of hours, and what can we expect? Well... It's the fabulous four, the final four. Let's start with Ron Paul, that grumpy old irrelevant moral coward. He goes around spouting these incredibly off-the-wall ideas that would work if there were probably 13 people living in a village. And he's made his money turning out racist magazines, newsletters to be exact, that he won't cop to. Romney cops to being the head of Bain because deep in his heart he thought he was doing a clever, fine thing. And Rick Santorum, he doesn't mind taking a lot of money from the tobacco lobbies to keep uh, <laughs> cigarettes in the hands of kids. And then there's that obnoxious, empty blowhard, Newt Gingrich. Newt thinks everything that comes into his mind is a good idea. So Ron Paul is the moral coward. He's going to stick with it. He's going to keep his 10 to 12% all the way to the end to keep this thing nice and chaotic because he is not a Republican. He is for Ron Paul. Okay, Gingrich. Yes, Gingrich's online pseudo-intellectual institute. That's what he is. He is a stupid person's idea of an intellectual. He is mean. He is unpredictable. Nobody likes him. The only reason he's staying in the race is because he's got what is basically a foreign agent in Las Vegas paying for his campaign. And he thinks it's going to be bigger bucks on the lecture circuit. He's going to sell more books and con people into more of his websites and maybe pay off his half-million-dollar bill at uh, Tiffany's and maybe get a little more from the Moondoll. Rick Santorum. Oh, the surging Rick Santorum. He gives the Catholic Church a bad name. Now, pederasty has done a good job bringing them down, but many people are being introduced to Catholicism through Newt, who is a fake Catholic, and Rick Santorum, who is frozen in some sort of 12-year-old altar boy mentality. People are beginning to think that Catholics actually feel that contraception is a bad thing because you're allowed to do things in sex that you weren't meant to when 94% of all Catholic women use contraception? No, he's a fascist. He's a real Hitler youth. He's after the president as a pagan, as a devil worshiper. It's all there. And the only reason people are suffering him is because Mitt Romney has no sand whatsoever. 
The more you get to know him, the less you like him. So there they are, the four fools on the hill who are going to be sniping at each other tonight. They're going to pilot on Santorum. Absolutely. Paul's got to deal with Romney. Gingrich doesn't care. And Santorum is the kind of fool who will stand up for all the bullshit he spreads. Is it moral courage or is he just plain stupid? I'll go with the latter. Stay with me. Let's see what's going to happen. I've got to say this has been the silliest debate thus far. And there is no red meat. Everybody's being in their own way polite. Oh, they're bickering and they're saying you voted for earmarks and you didn't and earmarks are good and earmarks are bad. They spent five, eight bloody minutes talking about earmarks as if anybody cares. This last half hour or so was spent discussing the economy, or at least it was supposed to be about the economy, and all we heard was cutting back, um, you know, entitlement, means-tested entitlement programs, and we should have let all those people go bankrupt, and, and Rick Santorum has the chutzpah that says, yeah, those people should have felt the pain in order to create smaller government. I don't see any pain on that gravy-sucking dog's face. While those people were feeling the pain, he's out lobbying for cigarettes, banks, and, and telephone companies. And Mitt Romney, I mean, this really is a perfect place for Mitt Romney to be because everybody's being cool. Nobody's calling him down. Newt Gingrich can't even get it up. He can't get angry. He can't do the one thing people like about him, which is being mean and surly and awful. He's just as vanilla as the rest of these guys. Why is that? Did their handlers tell them that uh, going negative and, and being churlish uh, don't work? I mean, there's Newt Gingrich, excuse me, the fool, thinks that bashing the UAW is going to pay off at the polls? Delusional. In fact, the Republicans love to blame the entire economic collapse on the unions. Well, they're in for a big surprise, because in Obama's second term, the unions are going to grow stronger, mainly unions with fresh blood, immigrant-based unions, people who know the difference between a non-union and a union job. It isn't the old days of the AFF, AFFL and the feather bedding and everything like that. That's being scaled away. Anyhow... If I expected to learn anything about the economy during this first part of the GOP debate, I was sadly disappointed. Well, let's go back and see what they got to say. You know, I've said this before, but I can say it again because things haven't really changed. What a bunch of soulless, heartless, mean-spirited bastards. Yeah, I'm a progressive. Yeah, I don't agree with a lot of the right-wing reactionary stuff. But there are even amongst those people who spout some of that stuff uh, some sense of the effect of their of their bile and their spleen. But these pop, these people up on stage, Gingrich, Gingrich is like, oh. He doesn't even live in a world where people have problems. He's way above it in his world of pseudo-intellectualism. Ron Paul is all into ideology. And yet here he's up now, the cranky kind of antic grandpa, telling us that the federal government has got to get out of this, and the federal government is going to get out of that, as if he knows what the hell he's talking about. 
Mitt Romney. Well, you know, Mitt's looking real presidential. Yeah, not president of the United States, but president of Bain Capital. And Rick Santorum, he just doesn't engage very well if he's not in a sweater vest. I'm glad this is the last debate for a long, long time because these bozos are a real snooze. And I noticed something else. All they talk about is enemies and victims and cheaters and it gets all of the blood running in this white Republican audience, which is on the wrong side of history, certainly the wrong side of demographic history. So it's cheaters and, and, and enemies and people that are a problem and that are illegal. And no, no plans, no intelligent look at, at how to solve these large issues that face us now and challenge us in the future. Not a clue. Clueless, third-rate trash. Well, I'll be back with my wrap-up after, uh, <laughs> after this event ends. Stay with me. I don't know where these people get their chutzpah to say some of the things they do. Newt Gingrich actually said that Obama harbors our enemies and basically puts down those who are allies. In other words, if you're an ally of America, you get a raw deal, and if you're an enemy, everything is okay. How dare he say that? He accuses him of being timid. I think he mistakes patience and breadth and perspective for uh, timidity. No, uh, Gingrich is not timid on stage because any idea that comes through his fecid little mind, he will blow and whistle as long as he can until people stop paying him or people start stop voting for him. But I got to say this, uh, I'll, I'll run each of these people down, but it was a dull, dull debate. And if you were an alien from outer space and knew that these were the people that are going to be running against somebody else, this was half the deal, you would come away with the idea that these folks know a lot about enemies and they know a lot about poor people and unions particularly and teachers and teachers unions are killing us. But no plans how to solve our deep problems, no heart, no sympathy, no people were on their minds, just ideas. Ron Paul, he's nothing but ideas. He was entirely spot on about undeclared wars. And if you cut all the other bullshit aside and just watch granddad talk about the fact that we should be more concerned with our borders and the border of Pakistan and Afghanistan and, we, and that, with, that Iran doesn't have a weapon as far as we're concerned and we're only boxing them in and we have such a military presence over there they can't do anything. I'm going, yeah, now this is right on. There you go. And then he turns around and says he's going to throw out the education department and no schooling and on and on it goes. Rick Santorum. I didn't realize that Rick Santorum homeschooled seven kids. Can you imagine what it would be like to be homeschooled by Rick Santorum? Seven kids all dressed in different colored sweater vests, being taught that the world is 10,000 years old, and that kids played with dinosaurs, and that the Bible is inerrant word for word, and go to mass or go to hell? Whatever. It's something like that. Santorum was very, very straightforward. Uh, he didn't really get peppered. He, I thought he was going to get really taken on some of this outrageous stuff he's been talking about, the war on religion and uh, that the president's not a Christian and it's a phony theology and global warming is a leftist theology and on and on and on. No, they didn't take him on that. I think CNN really was cowardly on that, pusillanimous. They just didn't really go to his, the core issues, all the red meat he's been throwing around. 
Romney? Well, I think it was Romney's debate. If you want to say who won the debate, I would say Romney in the sense that he seemed to be the most centered and he seemed to have the most tone. He was the, the person who was, seemed to be energized about, in quotes, the issues, the businessman. Not very impressive. Hey, folks, this is it. These are the four. Ain't no white knight going to come running in and save these people. You've been listening to Radio Friaz's live blogging on the February 23rd Republican debate in Arizona. Won't be one of these for a while. Super whatever is going to happen. There's going to be 14, 15 states trying to figure out which one of these dorks they want to put up against the man. You know what the bumper sticker says? Bush, eight years to wreck it. Obama. Eight years to fix it. Peter Bergman, catch you tomorrow.